Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. Look at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 28. The Bible says this, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. When it says the, they held him by the feet, obviously they, they immediately hit their knees. They might have even laid prostrate and laid their hands on his feet in a humble position, bowing at his feet and worshipping him. All right. Notice verse 10. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. Now notice very closely verses 12 through 15. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So there was a grand cover-up. And it is still believed by some today. And yet the Bible makes it very clear what happened. Let's pray and then we're going to get into things this morning. Lord, thank you for a good full house on this Sunday. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to rightly divide your word. Lord, may we share things that would be interesting to folks for them to be able to understand more of what really went on the first Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The reason we call it Resurrection Sunday, and again, we're not, I say Easter, you can say Easter, we're not trying to get on anybody like that. But just so you have the information, uh, the, the word Easter is believed to come from the word Eastra, and this was the Anglo-Saxon name for what we call a Teutonic or pre-Germanic goddess of spring and fertility. Now they celebrated that fest festival every year. Her name was Eastra, and that's where we got our name Easter. And there's some things they used to do, many of the traditions that they used uh, to worship her on that day is, uh, was the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny is a sign of fertility and of spring, and so they would involve the Easter Bunny, and they would uh, also paint Easter eggs 
uh, bright colors to obviously show spring and the goddess of spring and the goddess of fertility. And they would give baskets back and forth filled with treats. Those were all traditions that they did back then. Now, we don't do those things nowadays to celebrate the goddess of spring. We do those things to celebrate the resurrection of the Savior. But Satan always tries to pervert what God does. He always, but just so we all understand kind of the roots of this. This is Resurrection Sunday to us. This is why it is special. And because it is so special, I think it's important for us to look at this passage and look at some things about the resurrection and even more specifically some individuals around the tomb that day so that we can get a better understanding. Number one, and, and you don't hear a lot of preaching about this. Number one, I want you to notice the women. Look, if you would, at verse 1. It says, And in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Now, Matthew records the fact that these two women came that morning. And in the other Gospels, they reveal that others came also, other women. What is interesting is that it was only women that came to the tomb. Let me just say this, by the way. Thank God for godly women. Amen. Mother's Day is just a couple weeks away. That's a good advertisement, isn't it, moms? Thank God for godly women. Don't they deserve nice gifts for Mother's Day? Ooh, got quiet in here all of a sudden. I don't know about that. It must be because the windows are covered up. All right. Now, just because other Gospels mention different women or other women, it doesn't mean there's a contradiction. They all probably came at different times with different groups. But what I find interesting is, and you'll notice on the screen, I want you to be able to understand what we can learn from this. Number one, in verse 1 of Matthew 28, it says that they came to see the sepulcher. Mary Magdalene, and what they call the other Mary, to see the sepulcher. That means this, number one, some came that day to look. They came to see. They came to find out what was going on. They obviously had watched him being beaten and scourged and crucified and all those things. And he had been in the tomb. And they came that day to see the sepulcher. We don't know maybe if they wanted just to come to meditate if they wanted to come to pray, if they wanted to come just to spend time, if they wanted to come maybe because they're hurting. Uh, you know, uh, many of you would know, some of you wouldn't know, but my mom passed away about a year and a half ago, and, and her grave is out back here, and it has a place to sit. And I know my dad spends times there, time there. I know he did this morning. And there are times probably when I, I feel uncomfortable doing it sometimes when I know people are going to be around the property, but there have been times that, I, that I'll go sit there. Now... My mom is nowhere near that grave. She's not there. She's not in there. Her soul and spirit left the body. She's in the presence of the Lord. I know that. But you know what? Sometimes it's just good to go think and just to ponder. And it's a quiet place. Maybe that's why they came. So some came to look. The book of Mark, now you don't need to turn to it, but in the book of Mark chapter 16 verse 1, listen to this. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James... And Salome, so we've talked about another one here, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. So that means this, some came to look, but number two, some came to labor. They came to anoint the body of Jesus. They came to do a specific task. These verses teach us that they came to finish anointing his body 
for his burial. Listen to me. It meant this. They wanted to serve him one last time. So some came to look, some came to labor. Notice thirdly, some came to linger. Now I'm not going to read you all the verses, but in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, one common thread we have through all the Gospels is that Mary Magdalene was there at the tomb. Now let me tell you what is interesting about that. This was a woman, Mary Magdalene, that owed Jesus a very great debt. Now I don't know if you know the history. There had been a time in Mary Magdalene's life where she had been possessed by seven demons. Mark chapter 16 verse 9 tells us that. She was demon possessed. She had a miserable life. There was nothing good in her life at that time. She literally was in a hopeless state. Nobody else could help her. But her life had been radically changed by Jesus when he came by her way and he cast the demons out. She gave her heart to Christ and her life had totally been changed. We find, if you'll remember, that she was the last one at the cross. Matthew 27 tells us that. She was the last one at the cross. She was the first to see him risen from the dead. And she loved him so much for what she had done for her. So she literally came. She was the first one there and the last one to leave. That means this. Some came to look, some came to labor, and some came to linger. Do you know where I'm going with this one? It literally means this. Some came to see him. Some came to serve him. And some came to stay with him. Let me tell you something you and I ought to learn. You and I ought to desire to linger with the Savior. There are some that just come to church to see. There are some that come to church to serve. Oh, but there are some that come to stay. Dear friend, what group would you be in this morning? The women at the tomb. I want you to notice, secondly, we see the angel. This is very interesting here. I find this, to me, it was interesting. Look, if you would, at verse 2 of Matthew 28. The Bible says this, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, notice this, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Let me tell you something about this angel. Number one, we find that he rolled the stone. That means this. First obstacle removed. He rolled away the stone. Now, I believe, and I believe a lot of people believe, Jesus was out of that tomb before he ever rolled that stone away. He was already gone. There's no stone door that's going to hold Jesus back. But here the angel rolled that stone back. Now, why? Why was that so important? Because that stone was an exclamation point at the end of a sentence. That stone rolled back signified that he was gone forever. That let everybody know that might even be walking by that he was not there. He was gone way before the stone was ever gone. But that stone being rolled away means this. He wasn't there. Obstacle one, remove the stone. Number two, notice the angel. Look at verse three. The Bible says his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. So you can kind of get a visual picture. His countenance was like lightning and he was in white raiment. Notice if you would, verse four. 
And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. That means this. Not only did the angel, number one, not only did he roll the stone, number two, he removed the soldiers. Obstacle two, taken care of. The Bible says they became as dead men. Now, listen to me. Matthew chapter 27. I'm just going to take my word for it. If you're keeping notes, verse 62 to 67 to be exact. They tell us that the chief priests and the Pharisees were concerned that Jesus might actually be right. And we're told that they were concerned that what Jesus said was going to happen might actually come true. And, and by the way, the fact that Jesus would raise from the dead on the third day, that had already been prophesied. That was already told. He already told them that was going to happen. And they were concerned that this was going to be true. So that's why they put guards at the tomb. Think about this. Why would you need to put guards at the tomb of a dead man if you weren't scared that he was going to come back out? When the angel showed up, the Bible says that they were so scared and frightened that they literally became like dead men, obstacle to removed. I want you to notice number three. Not only did he roll the stone, not only did he remove the soldiers, but if you will, look at verse 5 of chapter 28. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Notice this. He is not here. He is risen as he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Not only did he roll the stone, not only did he remove the saints, but number three, listen to this, he reminded the saints. He told them this is what he said was going to happen, and this is what happened. Now, what did he remind them of in these three verses? Number one, he reminded them of the past. He said, this is what he said was going to happen. He was crucified. Notice verse 5. This is what he told those women. He said, I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. First, he reminded them of the past. He was killed. He reminded them of that. Just in case you forget, he was crucified on the cross. He reminded them of the past. Number two, he reminded them of the present. But he's not here. He's risen. He was crucified. He was in the tomb. But he's not here now. Dear friend, can I remind you of the present? He is still not there. This is the greatest proclamation to ever fall on human ears. When the angel looked at those women and said, He is not here. He is risen. Do you have any idea what that meant? That meant that now you and I can be saved. That means now you and I can go to heaven. That means now because He rose from the dead, that means He defeated death. So because death couldn't hold him, when you and I are in Christ, death can't hold us. It changed everything for history. And it took one phrase. He's not here. He's risen. Dear friend, I'm here to tell you, that's 
Resurrection Sunday to us. That was the first one. This is just another one that we celebrate. This is Resurrection Sunday. We are here and, and we celebrate Easter, what we call it, or Resurrection Sunday, to let everybody in America and everybody in North America and everybody on every seven continent, we are proclaiming today that he is still not there. Number three, what did he remind them of? He reminded them of the past. He reminded them of the present. Number three, he reminded them of the promise. Notice this. This is good. Now, I'm getting excited. Now, this is Easter, and it's dark in here, but I'm getting excited. I should be able to time it. I ought to be able to say, he is risen, and all the windows would just open up. Light would shine in, and lightning crashing, and I don't know. Maybe I went a little too far there. I don't know. Look at verse 5 and 6. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Remember the promise. As he said. He reminded them. This is what he promised, and this is what he delivered. And I'm reminding you of something today. Whatever Jesus promises, he always delivers. And I'm here to let you know as things are getting worse, he promised us in the book of John that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That's a promise. He made it and he's going to keep it. One day we're going to be living in our heavenly mansions that he's prepared for us. And we're going to say we got here just like he said. He reminded him of the promise. He told you he'd do it. And he did it. I want you to notice fourthly that he reminded them of the proof. If you'll notice in verse 6, he says, Come see the place where the Lord lay. He didn't say, come see the place where the Lord is lying. That word's a past tense word. It's where he used to be. But he's not here now. He said, I'm going to remind you not only of the promise he made, but I'm going to remind you of the proof. Look in there. He's not there. The proof is in the pudding. I tell you, the proof is in the tomb. He's not there. Let me um, say this. There's a lot of things I'd like to share, but for sake of time, I think this is very, very interesting. Now listen, I want you to listen very closely. If you don't get anything else today, and I hope that you do, please listen closely to this. There's something very interesting about what happened. In John chapter 20, verses 2 through 7, we find an interesting account that when they went into the tomb to see that Jesus was missing. It was very interesting. John records the fact that the linen clothes that had been wrapped around Jesus' body was lying there empty. And John records that the napkin that had been over the face of Jesus, he would have had grave clothes or linen clothes that they would wrap him in to go into the grave and they would lay a napkin over his face. When they went into the tomb, John records that those grave clothes were laying there empty and that the napkin 
that was used to be over the face of Jesus was folded in a place by itself. Now, if somebody had come in to steal the body of Jesus, like some Jews believe, why would they have taken the grave clothes off? If you're just trying to steal them quick, you're just going to grab the body and move it and put it somewhere else. Why would you take the time to take off all the grave clothes? And if somebody was stealing it, why would you take the napkin off his face and take the time to fold it? So that disproves that right now. This is the, remember, this is the proof he's telling them. But what else does it mean in Old Testament tradition? If a person was at a table eating, and while they were eating, if they would wad up their napkin and step away from the table, and they would just take their napkin and wad it up, that meant that they were done. They weren't coming back to the table. They were done eating. But in Old Testament tradition, when a person was eating, if they had to get up and leave the table for a little bit, they would fold their napkin and they would set it there. And that let everybody at the table and everybody else know, don't touch my food, don't touch anything. I'm not done. I'm still going to come back. I just have to go away for a minute. And when Jesus left that tomb, he let everybody know, I'm not done. I'm coming back. It's not over. And Jesus himself, I believe, took that napkin, folded it, put it down in place to let everybody know, I'm not dead. It's not done. I'm coming back. That's the proof. That he rose from the dead. I want you to notice last, he reminded them of the plan. And it's still the plan today, by the way. Look at verse 7, if you would. This is what the angel said. Go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring the disciples' word. You know what the plan was? The angel said, now that you've seen it, now that you have the proof, go and tell the disciples. Do you know that is still his plan? The fact that he raised from the dead and resurrected, now that you and I, we have the proof of God's word. Our job is now to go and tell. Amen. That's the plan. Now, nowadays, it seems we as churches, we do a whole lot of other things besides going and telling. But that was the plan here, and it's still the plan for you to let your neighbors and your co-workers and anybody else that will give you an opportunity, you need to let them know, proclaim the name of Christ, let them know that our Savior, let me tell you something, He rose from the dead, He's not there, He's risen, that's the good news of Christ, and I want to let you know about it. It is still the plan for us to go and tell. I want you to notice third. Not just the women, not just the angel, but third, I want you to notice the Savior. Look at verse 9, if you would. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. I want you to notice, number one, we see first when it comes to the Savior, the appearance of the Lord. As they were going to tell others, Jesus himself met them in the way. Now, there's something really to learn about this. Listen to me. It's a wonderful thing to hear from others what Jesus has done. Now, they heard from the angel what Jesus did. They were told that he rose from the dead. 
They were told all how Jesus had defeated death and conquered death. The angel just told them this is what has happened. He's risen. He's gone. It is wonderful to hear all about what Jesus did. But it is totally different when you run into him yourself. And you know what? A lot of folks, they've heard from a lot of people what Jesus has done. And this might be the day for you to finally run into him yourself. Dear friend, you don't have to just hear what he's done. You can know him. Oh, dear friend, do you know him as your Savior? I said last night, it's not a Baptist thing. It's not a Catholic thing. It's not a Methodist thing. It has nothing to do with religion. Salvation is totally a Bible thing. Have you crossed Jesus' path yourself? Do you know him personally? The appearance of the Lord. Second, I want you to notice the adoration of the Lord. Look, if you would, at verse 9. The Bible says they came, held him by the feet, and worshipped him. Do you know that should be the natural reaction of anyone that believes in Christ? Anybody that believes in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our natural reaction should be to worship Him. It should happen just like that. These men so believed and these ladies so believed what had happened at the tomb that when they saw Jesus, they fell immediately and worshipped Him. And dear friend, every week we ought to walk into a church building knowing what he did, knowing how he rose from the dead, knowing how he has purchased salvation for us. We ought to walk into this building ready to worship God. Listen, we, we shouldn't need a worship leader in church. I'm not against churches that have worship leaders. It depends on what you call them, I guess. Everybody calls something different. I don't think we ought to have to have a worship leader. I don't even think we should have to have a song leader. All we should have to do is put words on a screen and our folks that are saved by the grace of God ought to be so excited to sing praises to God, we shouldn't even have to start them. God forbid that we have to lead people in worship. If you've been saved by the grace of God, nobody ought to have to lead you to worship Him. We ought to want to worship Him. It ought to be our immediate reaction. We ought to look for every opportunity in every place to worship our Savior. I want you to notice third, the assurance of the Lord. The Bible says in these verses in verse 10, if you'll notice verse 10, then Jesus... Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, the assurance of the Lord. When Jesus speaks to these ladies, it is to comfort and to confirm. It was to comfort them, hey, there's nothing to be scared of. And it was to confirm that He was the Savior. And dear friend, I'm going to tell you something. When you know the Savior, nobody can comfort your fears like Jesus can. I want you to notice, fourthly this morning, the enemy. We've seen, obviously, the women, the angel, the Savior. But I want you to notice, fourthly, the enemy. By the way, the enemy's always around. The enemy is always there. Anytime God does anything, you're going to find the enemy around. Anytime God does something great in your life, old Satan's going to do his best to ruin it for you. 
Anytime you feel something good about Jesus and you begin to believe and you begin to grow, old Satan's going to do everything in your life to make you doubt to confuse you, to discourage you. You can just mark it down. Wherever there's a Savior, wherever there's an angel, there will always be the enemy. I want you to notice verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch. That means, obviously, we know court appointed, government appointed. These individuals that were watching to make sure that Jesus stayed in the tomb. The watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. Can you imagine that conversation? As these guards came back. Uh, can you see their, their, super, their superintendent, their supervisor? Can you see him? You had one job to keep a dead man in a grave. How hard can that be? He's dead. You can't keep a dead man in the grave. And they, you can just see him as they're describing. Well, there was this guy that showed up, and his countenance was like lightning. And he was dressed all in white. Can you see it? And the superintendent like, yeah, right. You been on the job or something like that? The Bible says they began to describe what happened. All I know is, is that, you know, there's this big guy who had lightning, like, a countenance like lightning, and he was dressed in white raiment. Next thing we know, we're laying on the ground like we were dead. We don't know what happened. We didn't see nothing. All we know is that, that we went into the tomb, and there's nobody there. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kirtland Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at KerwinBaptistChurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.